welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. Be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she, they pronouns. Uh, you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. Today uh, will be our second episode about the book Midnight Horizon by Daniel Jose Older. Um, if you missed the last one, go ahead and uh, listen to it now because that one does uh, feature author of Midnight Horizon, Daniel Jose Older, um, and it's really good. Uh, today we're going to go a bit more in depth. We're going we're gonna to talk about some of our favorite moments, uh, definitely about some of our favorite characters, and just all around uh, what we thought of the book. Well, first of all, Midnight Horizon has one of the best prologues I have ever read in a Star Wars book. Um, wow. Gripping. I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. This is going, like, it sets the tone for the entire book, um, and it kind of just, like, captures you in and uh so that was really great uh and it did feature Sabata the the villain of this story um who who I just love who I just love we love a girl we love a girl boss here um and she is definitely one of them (laughs) like you said the prologue does a really good job of setting it up and just giving us this like because this takes place on Corellia, which is a planet that we're pretty familiar with, like in Star Wars. It's not the first time we're seeing it, but this is obviously a very different time period and we're getting it through the perspective of different characters and just like the politics of the planet. And like this book has a lot of like political storylines in it, which I think were really well executed and just like getting to sort of get that inside look at the planet and its politics from Crash and her crew um was like something that this book that like really made this book what it was so that it wasn't just like these Jedi who have not been to Corellia before looking in as outsiders but it also was like people from Corellia who know Corellia very well who we were getting to see like how they felt about the Nihil coming to their planet which is something they never thought would happen because the Nihil have pretty much been an outer rim problem so the people on Corellia were able to be like oh we don't have to worry about the Nihil and like we can just kind of act like it's not a big deal because it doesn't affect us but now it is directly affecting them and so it's sort of like a wake-up call for the people there and we get to sort of see like how Crash is responding to that and how like the different politicians and people that she's working with and interacting with are all having these like very unique responses to the Nihil being there which really made this book feel more like a complete story and not just a story about Jedi showing up there. Right. And it also is like, I felt this book could stand more on its own because of those reasons, more so than the other um, books in the High Republic series. It also, you know, going off of that, I love this series and I love the um, non-Jedi point of views and the non-Jedi characters almost more than a lot of the Jedi characters just because they're like you know they it's so grounded and you kind of you can connect to them because obviously we're not Jedi but um they Daniel did a great job of like blending the two and blending like the the way that these people who are just you know people on Corellia who are just like in this like working class and and also like the upper class people obviously but you know we see Crash a lot um and her like views on on politics and on the on the world that she lives in and on the galaxy in general and kind of with the the Jedi especially towards the beginning um which is very similar it was very similar to how uh, like we saw Jordana and Silvestri and Out of the Shadows and how they view the Force versus how like Vernon Emery did in that book. And now, you know, we get Wreath and Ram mostly. Um, uh, yeah, so the, their Crash's parts are were just a treat, honestly. First of all, she and Sveno are the cutest. They're just the cutest. And I love them. And I love Crash's like, you know, her whole arc is very much like 
I only trust myself and I don't really like have close relationships with people because I am, you know, I'm a girl boss and I'm running this business and it's, that's, what's important to me. And then, you know, as it goes on, she learns to let people in more, um, which is always just such a, such a great arc for any character, but it really worked for her and how, how her story is in, in the position that she is in. Also, I love these like very young girl bosses in Star Wars because she like 17 years old she is the she's running like a bodyguards like guild and that's everything to me that is everything to me um so yeah I just I think that Crash's character was such a like essential point of such a part of the story and and her her relationship to the Jedi characters really really was written in such a way that like felt connected they their characters weren't so different to the point where I was like oh this doesn't work at all like I've never had that um especially like once you know I just think that Ram and Wreath are very easy characters to get along with um and their first interaction with Crash is my favorite thing ever just she just walks in and Ram is like it's a girl yeah yeah bestie it is yeah <laughs> I literally I love I love Ram Jama Ram so much but yeah there that whole relationship especially like their their little parts of you know going to the shipyard them working together them in their uh I I do love um Crash you know yassifying Ram and Wreath that was such a highlight of this book yeah Ram, Ram being like oh my god a girl was so funny and then she's like are you the Jedi and he's like yes and Wreath is like okay chill best no it's so funny <laughs> um and yeah I just I love Crash so much and I love I love Ram so much Ram really like stood out to me in this book which is something that I didn't necessarily expect going into it because I was like okay I love Ram he's a little guy but like his story in this really like surprised me I guess like he the way that they were able to like show this sort of mental health arc with him and it was very realistic like so many things when I was reading I was like this is very like relatable and to have it be such a young character and the fact that he has such a good support system with Wreath and with Cantum and with everyone that he has been around on Starlight recently like who are really there for him and are willing to help him. Like, Wreath in particular, there's so many scenes where Ram is, like, kind of struggling or even, like, talking to Wreath and being like, hey, I'm sort of dealing with this. Like, is that something you've ever experienced? And Wreath is able to be like, yeah, it's it's normal. And, like, my master is dealing with it. And, like, your master probably is. And, and just to make Ram feel less alone in those feelings because he starts the book in this place where he's like, I don't really know what's going on with me. And, like, I don't know necessarily how to open up about it because I'm not sure if this is something that other people have experienced. And so to see him learn throughout the book that like other people have experienced those things and it's not a bad thing and that he can like reach out to people for help was such an important story arc and specifically for it to be in a young adult novel with a younger character is something that like we that was really needed and it really worked super well. And just like the way that we can see like not just him struggling but like older Jedi are struggling and I don't even know how to say it but it's just so great and it it felt really like realistic like I said and just something that I think a lot of people myself included like really needed to hear. So true I know I completely agree I think that this book had like I do read a lot um but this book had the just healthiest and most realistic like response to children going through traumatic events and and I don't want to say like children they are teenagers you know they're they're growing up and they're growing into adulthood right now especially Wreath and um Ram is a little bit younger but you know he's 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 going through it and um I've never just like read a book and been like wow this is really just like real and every page was like another lesson that like I needed to hear at 20 years old and I'm like I love this and um so true anyways there's a certain scene in this book and I guess we're talking about it now because (laughs) I was gonna wait but we're here 
the Nihil masquerade scene, I will never shut up about it. I will never shut up about it because it is the best scene I've ever read in anything ever. First of all, not what I thought it was going to be. Not what I thought it was going to be at all. I thought the... I thought the Nihil Masquerade was going to be, you know, actual Nihil, and it was going to be very Yasin Slay, very gender, and it wasn't. It was just a bunch of rich people literally mocking actual trauma that people are going through on the Outer Rim. Anyways, um, Ram was one of those people, you know, and he he's seeing these people just make fun of all the, like, horrible things that he's been through, and it triggers him. And he's feeling so many emotions after not feeling anything for a very long time, um, which is another very realistic trauma response that people have. And it was upsetting and it was uncomfortable to read about. And I was having a moment and I was like, wow, this is like really heartbreaking, especially for this very young person to be going through this. And immediately Wreath is right there. And he is, you know, being Ram's support system and also Zine is there, but really it's Wreath and Ram having this conversation about finding balance and like, you know, you can't let all of this like rage and all of this pain consume you because there is balance. And Wreath is never like, oh, you're fine. Like you're going to, you're, everything's going to be great. You know, he's never like that. He's just kind of like, I'm going to be real with you, man. Like it's, <laughs> this sucks and and, it, and it's going to suck again, but like you have to find this balance and you felt all of these other emotions, like even it out, even it out for right now, we can talk about it more later. Like, and it was such a healthy relationship to see between these two boys and to see just like between two people who've gone through a lot and need somebody to help them. That scene is my joker. I literally could talk about it for hours and hours and hours. Um, anyways, that was a moment where I was like, this is my favorite book ever. Like, I'm literally obsessed with this. Anyways, I just thought that that was a great scene. And Ram Jama Ram, he's my literal son. Like, I love you so much. I cried a lot. I just think that the re- the reactions to the trauma that these characters have been going through throughout this entire phase of books and comics was written very well and needed to happen because it's it it would be very weird to me and very like upsetting to see like this these children go through horrible things and they just not acknowledging it continuing yeah. let's talk about wreath a little bit while yeah. we're on the topic <laughs> oh my god wreath silas i after i finished this book i immediately started rereading into the dark and i'm just like he has come so far like even just in into the dark one of the things that struck me most about it was how far wreath had come as a character just from beginning to end of that book and so now to look back and see how far he's come from the beginning of that book to the end of minute horizon it's crazy like he he starts off in this place of like i don't want to leave Coruscant. i just want to read and like the outer room's not for me i don't want to go to starlight and all of that And he goes through so much to end up where he is now. And that's part of what makes it so much more heartbreaking for him when he literally like in the last chapter, when they all sort of sense that Starlight has gone down, there's this moment where Wreath is like, I have no home. And that's so like hard to see and hear. And like, because we saw him go from the like, oh, I Coruscant is the only place that I'll ever call a home and like I do not want to go to Starlight Beacon to realizing that he thinks of Starlight Beacon as his home he is going through so much but he still wants to be there for other people is something that is really important to who he is as a character because like we see from the very beginning he's like I'm really struggling but then he sees Comac is struggling with something and all of a sudden he's like you know what I'd rather help my master right now. And then it's sort of the same way with Ram. Um, And, you know, both of those people are like, obviously, it's not like they're pushing aside what Wreath is going through, but he himself is like, I just want to help other people when I see them struggling, which is just something that is really great to see in a young person. I'm trying so hard right now, Claire, to not bring up Bell's metaphor because I know that he... That he's not in the book. I know that he's not in the book. And I also know that 
Wreath and Belle have never canonically met, but they are boyfriends. Um, and the fact that Wreath considers Starlight his home and Belle also lives on Starlight is really making me upset right now. <laughs> I think another relationship that really stood out in this book was Wreath and Comac. I think that they, you know, there's that scene in the beginning. <laughs> I'm literally on the brink of tears at the mention of Comac. <laughs> It's so bad. It's so bad. Literally, like, the amount of time since reading this book where I've just been, like, sitting or, like, doing normal everyday things and we'll just think about Comag or Comag and Wreath or whatever and, like, be like, I need to leave right now because I'm going to have a breakdown. It's so bad. But, like, it's just, that's just a testament to the writing that I'm, like, this genuinely emotional about it. Like, it's been, like, what, three weeks now since I read it and I'm still that, like, attached to everything that happened in it it's just because it's written so well and that the like emotional moments in it were written so perfectly yeah Daniel look what you did to us like I can't even get through this podcast right now anyways um we're gonna talk about reasons and come back and we're gonna try again um <laughs> they there's that scene in the beginning where you know Wreath walks in on Comac talking to Orla um, and Comac is crying, and I was very upset. Also, loved that Orla Gerani made an appearance in this book because I needed that after the Fallen Star. Um, glad that they added that in. Anyways, I think that that scene was just so like, wow, I love that this adult Comac is being like, hey, I can't put my problems on you. You're a kid. I can't do that. And I have to figure this out. And I, and he's not saying I have to do it alone because he's obviously talking to Orla. He's saying, I have my own support system and I can't have you be a part of that right now to Wreath. Um, because Wreath is learning from Comac and he, and that's very important to show like these boundaries between a teacher figure and a student. And I uh, really enjoyed that. And throughout this book, I think that Comac has some has some great moments um, leading up to his ending, which I loved it. Like, I really did. <laughs> I cried a lot. Do you want to talk about Comac a little bit, Claire? Um, so when I was taking my notes for this episode, I was kind of going character by character. I have like a full page of notes about Comac. Anyway, I'm going to just give some highlights. Um, <laughs> First of all, one of my favorite scenes in this book is when Comac and Cantum both sense something is wrong on Starlight and Comac immediately senses that Orla is in danger and we're like, we have to go back right now. Orla is in danger and like, I need to save her, blah, 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 blah. And Cantum is like, Wreath needs you here. And like, they have this really great and like interesting conversation about like the order and, um, I know there's a line within that and I wrote it down because I loved it so much and we and we've talked about this before and it says the Jedi were supposed to be messengers of peace but that seemed more and more like methodology for defeat and I just like I have not stopped thinking about that and that whole scene where they do talk about like you know the the time when Zine almost killed Crix and Lula sort of talked her down from it and they talk about that because they kind of argue about it and Comac is basically in this place of like we we need to do something like the order has just been like sitting back and like if we would just take some action then maybe the Naiho would be eliminated and Cantum is sort of there to be this like voice of reason of you know it's not necessarily that simple and like we can't just rush back to Starlight at the first sign of trouble because we have our own jobs to do here and like while that may sort of seem to have lost some meaning when you know that your best friend is on Starlight and for Cantum their Padawan is on Starlight but, like, the job they're doing on Corellia is still very important. And Comac also has to be there for Wreath. There's also a line that Comac says during that where he says, flinching means losing everything. And I think that's just, like, a good line for him and, like, kind of shows us where he's at mentally by that point in the book with everything that's been happening so far. And now this added layer of, like, Orla's not doing well. And, of course, we know what happens to her, which makes it even more heartbreaking because you're just like, oh terrible news bestie um is him and Orla's friendship is just like it's so good for both of them and like we see that with the way that Comac like Orla is probably the only person that Comac like truly 
opens up to. And even then, you know, he struggles with it, but we see it more with her than with anyone else because he is very guarded because of like losing his master very young and just everything that he's been through with the combination of that and what the Nihil are doing to the galaxy. Like he's sort of at his breaking point, which is why he ends up leaving at the end. I, I literally sobbed. It was really bad, but (laughs) like, it was a really good ending um also just combined with wreath getting knighted there I was like already emotional so it was a really fun time but I just think that his story arc like although the ending of it was obviously very sad like and that was obviously the intention it was perfectly executed it just made sense and you come to this realization of like this was always where his path was going to lead and especially like I said I've been rereading into the dark and he'll say these things about the order and how they won't let him grieve and like that's why he's been struggling so much his whole life is because he feels like he can't properly grieve this tr- this traumatic thing that happened to him when he was young and so it all just kind of builds and builds until he's like I I literally can't do this anymore like it's not he's never going to be able to process everything while still being a part of the order and so I just think that like the way his whole story arc was kind of wrapped up and tied back into everything that's happened with him throughout all the young adult books was really really well done exactly I think him it was like Orla dying was like his last straw right and because he knew like my main like the main person in my life my support system the person who I absolutely love is dead and I don't have him anymore and he knows that he's going to have to grieve Orla and he knows that he won't be able to do that while being in the order and especially while being Reed's master um, and so, you know, Wreath obviously was ready to be knighted. He's been ready for a hot minute, you know, but like that Wreath's last like lesson to learn was like, where's my path? Where's it going? And obviously he learns like my path isn't, you know, cemented, you know, I, it always is going to be changing and, um, it's where the force takes me and blah, 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 that. And, you know, I feel like Comac also kind of learned that lesson, and he, you know, was like, okay, I'm, I'm done teaching you, Wreath, because now you have learned this one, this lesson that I also need to learn, you know, I also need to get there. And um, he, he does realize that there is more he could learn from Wreath. Um, but I think that Comac needs to be alone for a while. <laughs> Who knows if he's coming back, but like, I do <laughs> think that whatever wherever he goes it's gonna be it's gonna be good for him um and yeah that scene was very sad and I literally still cry about it to this day and I probably will for a very long time but like it's also gives like the reader this sense of closure it was like wow that made sense and like that was obviously meant to happen and I'm kind of okay with it you know I'm upset that he's gone and I'm like but I'm also happy that he's going to you know start this new life for himself maybe maybe find his own way through being an adult who has been in this order and felt like uh his emotions his grieving process was being suppressed and needed to get out of that and I do think that his character in general is a very essential part to the high republic in general because we see so many characters grieving for for various reasons and they all handle it very differently and they all have very different views on grief and on the force in life and the order and blah blah blah. and we haven't really seen a character like Comac who is like okay I just need to get out you know like that like this is it I can't do this anymore and sometimes that's just like what you got to do, you know, you have to, sometimes you just have to get out of the situation that you're in. And I think that it was written in a way that was very relatable and also semi-admirable. Um, and I, I really love that ending for him. Wreath though, (laughs) I'm worried for Wreath a bit because while I do think that Wreath is fully capable of being a Jedi Knight, I'm just... Not that Comac died or anything, but like he, he has lost two masters now and I'm kind of worried for him. Um, but it's okay. Wreath has Cantum. Um, it's fine. It'll be fine. He also has Belzetta Far. 
I love how I fully convinced myself that that Reed Silas is going to Coruscant to go meet Bells at a bar. It's gonna Anyways, happen. I believe it yeah. is. <laughs> I I'm just it's just like canon in my brain right now. I can't think of anything else. Anyways, um, let's move on to should we move on to Zine and Lula? Oh my god, so much to say about them. I'll start and then <laughs> um Zine Mrala. And Lila Talasola are my favorite Star Wars characters ever, and I'm obsessed with them. Um, and I'm very glad that they are super gay in this book. Je- that's just first and foremost. Every single moment they had together, I was like, oh my god, look at these two little queers. I love them so much. And anyway, I'm going to start crying right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad idea, actually. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, Race to Crash Point Tower, which was I love that book. Anyways, um, focused a lot on Lula and on her, you know, feelings and how she viewed her attachment. Uh, and now this book, Midnight Horizon, focuses up more on Zine. And I love that little, the little duology, little Daniel Jose Older duology of books in the High Republic series. Anyways, I think that um, Zine's character in this book shined she was amazing every single scene she was in I was like yeah yeah so true of you like everything that she did was amazing um specifically there is a scene (laughs) that I can't I haven't stopped thinking about um it is when she talks to Cricks of course that was so that was so good that was so important uh and I loved how you know by the end of their conversation, one, she girl bosses her way through that whole conversation and is just manipulative. And I love her for that. Um, she deserved that. And she totally gaslighted Griggs into thinking that, you know, she was taking his memories out of his mind. Anyways, by the end, she has fully gotten over her guilt for thinking that Cricks and all of the thing, horrible things that he's done to the galaxy were her fault um she realizes that he is his own person and not her problem at all uh and that was a super just like important message uh to send and I especially in Star Wars and especially with all the things that are going on right now with the fandom um I think that you know this is a perfect example of a woman being like oh wait you are your own man and I am not responsible for you and your actions at all that was the most empowering moment I think I've ever read. I was like, wow, I feel so like represented healthily. And like, I feel like I'm, I don't know. I just love that moment and I cried a lot, but um, I do think that it, their, their story, Cricks and Zine's story ended in a place. I could not think of a better place to end it. Like that was just, he's nothing to her and he knows it in that, and that is, you know, he's not winning anymore and he has no power over her because she won't let him. Um, and that is the worst thing that could happen to Cricks because he thrived off of having power over her. You know, he knew from the everything over the past year and a half for them, you know, he knew, oh, Zane's chasing me and I have all the power over her. Now he doesn't. And that is super great. Um, I love him. I love Zines. I almost said I love him, meaning Cricks, and that is not what I meant at all. I hate Cricks, Camerat. I think that he deserves absolutely nothing. Anyways, I love Zine Rala is what I was going to say, um, if that's not obvious already. Um, but then, you know, she she leaves the room, literally closes the door on his face, as she should, and falls into Lula's arms and then she cries and I literally am gonna start crying right now <laughs> you take it away I can't do this anymore <laughs> yeah um the whole Cricks thing like you said it was just such a perfect ending like Daniel said to us last week um in last week's episode um that he knew that he wanted them to catch Cricks rather than kill him because he wanted it to feel like a win for them and that was just like exactly how it needed to be like when he said that I was like yeah so true because I you know killing Cricks wouldn't have been a win for them it would have just been like another thing that they had like weighing down on them but the fact that they were able to capture him so he can't hurt anyone else but he's not affecting them anymore was so great and just yeah it was so seeing Zine say all that to him was like yeah 
go off bestie and of course then right after i she and lula had to say goodbye to each other which was literally so heartbreaking i want them to be back together right now actually i need it right I now i actually need it like, i actually <laughs> need high republic 13 right now because if i don't get it i'm gonna not be okay yeah it's like i'm just like i they need to be back together right now i their relationship i like it literally I can't stop thinking about it. It's such good representation. And the two of them are individually are such good queer representation. And I'm just like, period. Yes. This is like, this is what I've been asking for. Star Wars. This is what I wanted. This is what we all wanted. This is what I have been asking for media yeah. in general. <laughs> yeah, so true. I'm just like, and, and like, you know, after the last Higher Public Adventures issue, like we knew that they had feelings for each other and figured like that was probably going to be a part about um, in midst. What if I could talk? a big part of midnight <laughs> horizon um it's okay but just like seeing it, seeing it play out like like we've been saying a million times i screamed and cried it, it was a lot um i did write down i wrote down so many quotes in my notes because i was just like i need to i need to talk about this um but the quote that i wrote down was from um when zine records the little hollow message for lula <laughs> literally heartbreaking <laughs> Um, but the line says the name tasted like tears on her lips, but it also felt like light. Are you kidding me? Are you that kidding is so me? perfect. Claire, I literally hate you right now for making me relive that. I'm literally crying. You <laughs> mean Claire records the rest of the podcast herself because I can't stop crying. Stage leaves the Zoom meeting. And then when we were talking about comeback, I was like, I'm just going to speed run everything I wrote down and then we're done. So I don't have to think about it for any longer. Oh my God. I can't stop crying. Um. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about Zine Rala again. Maybe. I'm going to try. Zine Rala and Lula Talasola but I'm specifically focusing on Zine because she was a POV character in this book, is literally the best queer rep I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I know we were talking to Daniel last week and he, obviously a lot of people who are not queer can, can really relate to Zine's story, but because I am a queer person, I am talking about it in a queer context. Um, I have never been like, wow, I relate to a character so much. And then because their story feels very similar to a queer narrative and also have the payoff of them being queer. That is phenomenal. I've never like that is just I can't even put it into words how like satisfying and how grateful I am for that. Um, and then obviously her relationship with Lula, besides their like love interest their friendship is so solid and so healthy and you know they have their issues obviously their zine is not able to talk to lula at in this book she's she's very much like i need to get away from her because i can't talk about this because i don't want to interrupt her life goals um which also felt very queer but anyways besides the point their their relationship is so healthy up until this point and you know we see them working through that we see zine primarily working through that in her head and um getting to a place where she can admit her feelings fully and realize it's not up to me it is not up to me what she chooses all i can do is talk about how I feel and all I can do is love Lula as much as I can and whatever she decides that's her decision and I would love to spend the rest of my life with her but you know it's if she wants to be a Jedi there's no way I'm getting in the way of that but you know they're the the way that it is written is so beautiful and um I'm obsessed with it and I got through all of that without crying so yay me anyways Let's get this is our like goals for the the podcast today is like can we get through a single train of thought without crying <laughs> that's our bar. <laughs> i just yeah zine marala pop star icon so true <laughs> oh okay pop star zine my <laughs> permanent gender actually <laughs> that's it that's it <laughs> um wow what a moment actually i was really hoping that we get to see her sing 
which didn't happen, but she was busy. She was busy. Uh, and I love the fact that just the littlest detail was that people were cosplaying a zine in universe. That made me literally scream out loud. I was like, no way. Like people are literally cosplaying Zine Morella in universe as they should. I love that whole like scenario though, of her being of like her rising to fame overnight. They had no idea who she was. <laughs> that was such a good like plot point. And then obviously it led into the Nihil Masquerade. Um, oh man, <laughs> it did lead into the Nihil Masquerade. And that is where we're at now, which is um her and Wreath and Ram finding out about Starlight Beacon falling out of the sky uh, together in front of literally all of these people who are dressed up like the people who destroyed their home. Wow, this book is so insane. I literally can't. Um, so heartbreaking, so upsetting. But the way that they reacted to it was very great and also how they were able to be like okay but we have something to do right now we have to save Corellia and and they did you start talking now <laughs> I'm gonna start crying again oh then I maybe I'll talk about something other than what I was about to start talking about no you have to this is um <laughs> I'm gonna keep my composure I promise uh, my single motivating like factor these past few weeks has been that court is alive thank god but unfortunately, it, the, some others, we don't really know. We, we really don't. And uh, that scares the shit out of me. That whole last scene POV, I was like, Daniel, why did you do this? Like, I'm literally like trying to recover from Wreath and Comac. And now I have to read the, the words missing, presumed words. dead about Lula Telesola and words. Farzala and Torben Buck. I actually, I can't. I literally can't do it. If any of them are not, if I'm mostly worried about Farzala, unfortunately, if he's not okay, maybe I'll become violent. <laughs> maybe I'll be the Joker and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> I I am worried about Farzala. I just think that I just think that it was a little bit rude, <laughs> just a little bit rude to be like, yeah here's here sage here read this book and then have that um open a chapter that was a not a good moment for me actually I loved how zine's story like ended in this book uh because we do know there's another comic issue thank god um because if there wasn't I wouldn't be okay right now I would actually not be able to record this podcast at all um but I love how her story ended in this book because you know She's gone through the whole story being like, what should I do about my feelings for Lula? Like, I'm obviously in love with her and I don't know what to do because she is a Jedi and I don't want to get in the way of that and blah, blah, blah. And she's also, you know, by the time the big fight happens, she has realized, like, I just need to tell her I love her. And I just, I just got to be upfront and blah, 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 and all this and and then Starlight falls and she's like, I don't know where she is. Um, but she knows that Lula's not dead uh, because they are a dyad in the forest. I don't know if that's actually true or not. I don't know if those, because those words have never been spoken, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that they're a dyad in the forest. So, because I need that for me personally. Anyways, uh, I think that she, she knows that Lula's not dead but she, the story ends with her saying, I'm going to find you, Lula. Like, no matter what, like, my goal right now is to find you. Um, and we will be together again. Okay. Okay, just do that to me, I guess. I guess. Like, that's fine. But it, but it is, like, such a good moment for her because she has, after all of this book of her being like, I don't know, I don't know. And, you know, being confused and conflicted has now now has a set goal and is very determined on that um and that's something that she's needed because for this entire comic series for her her entire story in the high republic phase one has kind of been like what what am i like what am i doing because you know i'm not a jedi and i don't know what's going on with me and cricks and you know to see her come into her own character in this book was so special and so amazing and 
she's obviously my favorite. Um, but yeah, I just, I loved how her story ended, even though I was literally depressed. I was, I do love that. Um, I think everyone's story, how it ended in this, um, book was really good, especially Crash. I loved Crash's ending. I hope we get to see her again because she's my girl. I love her so much. Um, yeah, I'm a Crash Kinney. Okay. I'm just a Captain addict. Yeah, I am like, I'm really excited in High Republic Adventures 13 to see like how Lula is feeling about a lot of things going on. Cause you know, in the last High Republic Adventures issue, Zine says she's going to leave and we sort of start to see Lula processing that. But, you know, then they're caught up with catching cricks and all of that. So we don't really get to see Lula's thoughts after Zine has gone off to Corellia. Um, and so I'm sort of, I'm really excited to see how she feels about all this and what she thinks. And just like how she feels about things going forward, you know, because she is, re- she is ready to be knighted. Like she is skilled enough. She has what it takes to be knighted. But it's just a question of whether that's something she wants, if it means that she can't be with Zine as much anymore and so I'm really like looking forward to seeing how the rest of her story plays out and hopefully her and Zine getting reunited because I think I don't know what I'll do if that doesn't happen in this next issue I'm gonna be so unwell I have to read the the little description the little publisher summary of how I can't it haunts me no I have to read it it's for the (laughs) listeners Claire with their latest mission behind them the Padawans face their greatest challenge yet, the future. Farzala and Kor are ready to take the next steps, but Lula can't shake her emotions, as is the Jedi way. She's been trained for battle, for diplomatic relations, for rescue missions. She was never trained for a heart that aches for more. Through it all, though, they are guided by wise words of the Jedi for light and life. You know what's so embarrassing for me is that when you were reading that, I was like, do I have this memorized? <laughs> like literally everything you were reading, I was like, I have read this way too many times because sometimes I'll just pull it up and be like, hmm, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I'm just going to, for my like mental health, I'm going to be like, okay, well, since Farzala was mentioned in that, he is alive and he's fine. So true. <laughs> just, I have to. I just have to. Um, but yeah, I do think that in the next issue, we're going to get some um, some moments that make me an insane person. That's for sure. You know who we should really talk about right now, Claire? Cantum Psy. So true. <laughs> I think we should just talk about Cantum Psy for a minute because they're literally my one of my favorite Jedis by now. Definitely like top three. They're flashbacks. I cried in every single one. Like, that is not an exaggeration. I was just like, yeah. the way that Daniel in the in this story with Cantum is able to portray such a healthy queer romance between two young people. It didn't, they, he didn't dance around anything when writing it, you know? Like, there's one paragraph that I remember specifically, and obviously it's in Cantum's POV, and they're like, we haven't had sex yet, but, like, we will, and it'll be good. And I was just like, Thank you like, so for true. addressing like, that, like, because yes. it's something that is often sort of like skirted around in media or even like demonized, especially in young relationships and especially in young queer relationships. So to see Daniel just like put it out on the page and be like, it was so perfect. Like I li- like I had to stop and think about it and I haven't stopped thinking about it. because I was just like, this should not be like shocking to see in a book but it is and so to see it there amongst all the other great things that were happening in this book it was just like a such a little moment in there but like so important when you really think about it and like its implications especially for young queer people reading this who have not really been told that sex can be healthy and is healthy a healthy part of young relationships in many cases I love the relationship between Cantum and Natar. I think that they're, that it was so, it was written in such a way that was so like healthy and so intimate, you know? Like I was like, I'm reading this. And I'm like, I'm literally falling in love right now. Like I am also falling in love with Cantum Psy. And <laughs> so true of me though. I am in love with Cantum Psy. Anyways, um, I do think that <laughs> the way that I was like reading this and just one feeling represented, two being in love with these characters in this story. And then as it keeps going, 
they their relationship is so much more intimate and so just amazing and creates a great balance with all of the like crazy things going on in the rest of the story and in the current timeline and then we get to we get to a flashback and Adar just like leaves and Cantum's like yeah that's fine that's you do you man like that's that's great and I'm like wait what what he's just gonna leave Cantum there anyways and then I was having I was having a, a moment and then I was like but that is so Cantum Psy. And that is so like being a Jedi, you know, like that's what a Jedi should be is to love and to let go. Um, and I think that obviously that was the point. And also I loved how the whole time Cantum is like, oh, I'm not a Jedi right now. Like I'm taking a break from the order. But throughout their like break, they were just being a better Jedi. Like they were just being a good Jedi, just not going on missions. They were like, you know, going on their own mission, doing their own thing. But that was, you know, just such a, such a moment where I was like, yeah, this is Cantum Size character. And this is what they absolutely should be and what a Jedi should be. Uh, and then of course, where it ends, where it all wraps up, they're on Naboo. And and they save Lula Talisola as a little baby, as a little kid. I've never cried harder in my life. <laughs> Actually, I think I, I, yeah, that was a great moment. Um, them just saving Lula and Lula, you know, has saved Cantum. And I think that that is like the, the start of their relationship, like chronologically, like where we saw them in that flashback was the perfect way to start their relationship they had an instant connection and the like intimacy that they have like in their just master and apprentice relationship is so well written especially in this book and Lula's not even in the book that much you know but you can just tell how much Cantum absolutely loves Lula at the end where Cantum is like I love Lula but I have to let go of her and um they do and it's very you know you're not like oh Cantum doesn't love Lula because it's they're literally like to love is to let go and and you feel that you know you feel like that is so true in that moment um and yeah I just love where their story ended and where their relationship has gone with Lula and also just in that little in that little spot right there um where I'm at them and them and in zine um so true I love that so much there was that moment where Cantum was just like oh thank god you're okay to zine and I was like I'm not doing well I'm not doing well right now yeah I think that um the way that Cantum's story the the flashbacks line up with the present is so good like we see them learn this lesson from Yoda when they were younger where Yoda's like to love is to let go which Yoda actively demonstrates by being like like we know that Yoda loves Cantum but Yoda knows that the best thing for Cantum is to let them let them go and let them take this time off and do what they need to do and then when they come back Yoda's like yeah it sucked having to let you go but it was good for you so I was willing to do it I guess I'm a Yoda stan. Like, that's where we're at right now. (laughs) Not what I expected going into this book, but here we are. And just, yeah, the way that Lula is the thing that brought Cantum back to the Order, so good. I love them so much. And there was one line in particular where Cantum was like, yeah, I was just kind of wandering around and then this little person showed up and I knew what I needed to do. I was like, I'm literally (laughs) gonna cry. It was so good. And I, yeah, like you said, like the fact that their relationship progressed so much without Lula even being in this book and even just like the little snippets we got of the two of them together, it's so good. And it just gives so much more depth to their master and apprentice relationship, which is so healthy. And like, they understand each other so well. And like Cantum understands Lula so well. Like she will, like they were literally like, she'll come to me when she's ready and I'm not going to push her because I know that that's not the way to go with her. 
and that's exactly the Lula we know and it's so great to just see like a a master who is like I know my Padawan and I know what's best for her and that's what I'm gonna do even if it's hard for me sometimes which is exactly what they learned from Yoda so it all came together really well in the end in a way that made me sob but (laughs) was also really good the the moment in the beginning which we also saw in Adventures 12 of of Cantum just being like I am so proud of you Tallulah I I'm not okay I'm not I literally shouldn't have brought it up I should not have brought it up (laughs) um I that moment was so great because Lula is just trying to be the best Jedi that she can be and she doesn't feel that right now you know because she's so conflicted over her emotions and for the person who like matters most to her who is Cantum is is saying that they're proud of her I how am I supposed to get through this in the rest of this podcast oh my god I can't I'm literally like I'm like I just gotta keep it together <laughs> just, just a little oh, bit it's, longer. So it's so bad um we've cried a lot <laughs> already I think we've been recording for like an hour. Um, Yes, we cried a lot in the book. However, this book was perfectly balanced Um, because not every time I cried, it was because I was sad. A lot of it was me being extremely happy and just not being able to like contain my emotions. Um, But, you know, I thought that this book did a great job and we did talk about this with Daniel last week, but, you know, just to bring it up again in our more in-depth discussion, I think that this book, especially after The Fallen Star, was so necessary to this series. Um, It just, it gives you this like sense of hope. The Fallen Star did not. I and I was like, okay, like if that was like if the Fallen Star was the last book that I was reading in the series and this book didn't happen, um, that would be hell. Actually, that would be the seventh circle of hell. Anyways, um, I think that I would be like, okay, well, what is this? Like, are what's what is the rest of this series gonna be like? Um, but after this book, I was like, wow, I'm devastated and I'm so upset, but also they're going back to Coruscant and they're going to figure it out. And Zine is going to find Lula and Wreath is a knight now and he gets to find where he's going, you know, and in his life and in his journey in being a Jedi. And even Comac is starting a new path for himself. I was like, wow, this is really great. And I'm so excited for the next not not I mean I am excited for phase two even though it's a prequel phase like so excited for Porter Angle anyways that is so besides the point I think Porter Angle is so sexy I I need to stop this is really bad um phase three though which I'm hoping is a sequel phase uh and we're gonna see these characters again I am I'm ready to see where they're going and I'm ready to see like how this is going to affect affect the galaxy as a whole because we know it is we know that this starlight beacon crashing and the nihil infiltrating a core world is going to be insane and is going to impact the galaxy and impact the jedi order as a whole because where they're at in the prequel era is very much not like this and we can see the cracks starting to happen in the order and um and these this generation of Jedi is going to be so vital and essential in playing the part that leads the Jedi to how they are in in the prequel era um and so this book got me hyped for that like at the end I was like I am super stoked for the rest even though I am so sad right now um but yeah I just thought like that uh that this book did a great job in balancing especially with you know even throughout the the book not even just the end just like the canton povs were great and the great balance with everything else and even the nihil masquerade was kind of fun before i had a meltdown um but yeah i just i thought this book was perfectly balanced and i love that the message of the book was also to find balance I need like I like after this book even more so I'm like I need to see these little guys again like I I literally can't like 
I need to see Jedi Knight Reese Silas in action. And I need to see true. Jedi Knight Reese Silas kissing Jedi Knight Bell Zedifer on the mouth, but that's so true. <laughs> um, but that's so beside the point. I just like, and I want to see what Ram does next. Like, I want to see Ram finish up his apprenticeship and reach knighthood. Like, that would be really great to see in phase three. I want to see more Zine and Lula, obviously. And I want to see more Crash. I want to see more of everyone in this book because like I think that all the endings that this book had for individual characters were very satisfying but I also think they could be very interesting like jumping off points for future stories and so I'm really hoping that we'll get to see more of that unfold in phase three in some way whether it's you know more in the future and they're adults or whatever route it ends up taking but I just really want to see them again I want to see like how they progress from here in addition to like how they're dealing with the changes in the order and the changes in the galaxy that we know are only going to get worse and worse as we move closer and closer to the time of the prequels um we need to talk about my new favorite girl boss Sabata Krill um Yeah, so true of her to, you know, just be this manipulative badass the whole time. Um, However, she literally died. She literally died. And I have not seen a single person talk about that. Maybe I am just mentally ill and am the only person who loves Sabata Krill, but I'm upset that she is dead. Uh, However, not focusing on the negative right now focusing on the positive she's literally the most ruthless villain I've ever I've that is in this series like Markeon Rowe I know you're a boy boss but you have nothing on Sapata Krill you have nothing Lorna D I don't want to slander your name girl because I love you to death but Savata Krill will give you a run for your money. Like, <laughs> she is everything. She is the moment. Every time she showed up, I was like, I am scared. I am scared of this 18-year-old girl. But she is such a well-written like villain, and we don't even know that much about her. Like, we know, like, relatively close to nothing about her other than she has a sister. She's part of the Nihil. She's a lot smarter than Crick Camerat, and that she is a full-ass adult planning the murder of this like 14 year old boy (laughs) as she should I think yeah you know what good for her (laughs) good for her yeah um but she is like a really like great villain especially like for these characters um in particular and you know from the very beginning you're like wow she is evil like she's an evil person um And then when she was, like, manipulating that guy and, like, flirting with him, I was like, I love this. This is everything. And I just, I don't know. The High Republic series has made me turn into this, like, villain enjoyer. Like, I love villain stories now. Never did before. Literally never did before. Um, But I love them now. And I love Sabata Krill. And I think that she is one of the greatest villains. I really, really wish that her and Nan met. I really do. <laughs> when I I didn't realize that Sabata died while I was reading the book. I really didn't because I was in tears because Ram Jama Ram was being an absolute icon. Um. Anyways, I think that when I realized it, it was random. I was like, "Oh, Sabata's ending," and then I was like, "Wait, Sab- Sabata? Well, I don't remember what happened to her." Um. And then I and then I read it back and read that she died and. I was like, wait, what? I wanted her to meet Nan. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's okay though. Is that if that's my only complaint about this entire book is that I wish the Bodicrill had lived and talked to Nan, it's a good book. It is a good book. <laughs> Yeah, I wish Sabata had been able to join Lorna D's girl boss Tempest. I think that they really would have loved to have her there. Oh, no, I'm depressed. I just Anyways. love the Nihil girl bosses. I think they're all great. And yeah, I would let them all murder me, actually. I'm just thinking about that scene where Wreath is, like, really injured and Ram just, like, shoves him in a box. And then <laughs> they're, um, Comac and Canton are like, we can't let that ship get away. And Ram's like, um, funny story. 
<laughs> I just remember, like, Ram is like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And Comeg is like, where is Wreath? And Ram's like, he's just, like, in a little box on that <laughs> ship. And Comeg's like, he's what? It was really so funny. I was, like, crying laughing. Um, and Wreath is like, no, I don't want to go in here. And Ram's like, it's okay. <laughs> You'll be <You're> fine. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I love them so much. They're so great. They're that friendship was also like something that was like sometimes it got sad, but also a majority of it was just them being super happy and super awesome and I them like throwing each other with the force. <laughs> I've never been so happy in my life. I thought it was so funny. Um yeah. Reed did though get really injured. I was very worried for for that boy. Um, I love him to death. Also, I think there was like one part where Cantum got like grazed by a blaster shot. And I think I screamed so loud out of pure fear that they were gonna die. I think I actually, I like texted you and I was like, Cantum literally got a scratch and I am in tears. Like, because I had that exact same moment with Comac when when Wreath and Cantum were like, we can't find Comac. And I was like, oh my gosh, he died. I was like having a meltdown. And then he just like gets up and he's like, forgot this and like grab. First of all, he, maybe he's a dope. But anyway, that's so not relevant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because, well, I'm just thinking like You're right after wrong. that. Yeah, I'm right. And like, the scene after that is when like after he gets up he's like forgot my lightsaber and then he like pulls it into his hand and so it's like fighting again I was like okay yeah maybe this man is I was like hear me out I love him but yeah I was like so terrified I was like if he dies right now maybe I'll put the book away (laughs) maybe I won't read it I'm really glad I really am glad that like nobody except for Sabata died in this book oh and Pribal rest in peace king I love you. I thought he was literally going to be alive. Like, yeah. <laughs> even after I finished the book, I was like, did he actually die or was he alive? I literally didn't know. I still don't know. Um, but I think he is dead. Anytime Crash was sad, I was like, wow, I'm not doing well emotionally. Um, but anyways, that's so besides the point. I did like that uh, most people didn't die in this book. Uh, it was really refreshing to like read a story that was so emotional and so like sad um and happy of course but like like I was sad and it wasn't because anyone died like it did not rely on death and like shock like value in order to be a good book and to have an impactful ending um and that was something that I was really grateful for because I don't think I could handle anymore I really don't like as a reader I'm at my breaking point (laughs) um Stellan Geos' death has destroyed me in ways that I didn't think were possible. And when when I went into this book, I was like, okay, all of my favorite characters are in this book. All of them. Except That's why I was like, I can't lose another one. Like, I literally can't do it at this point. Yeah. No, but anytime, anytime anyone, any one of these characters was in, like, any danger at all, I was like, no! don't take unnecessary journeys (laughs) please I can't yeah and but they but they were fine and I was still I was still emotional and still like obsessed with this story this is literally one of the best books I've ever read so period as it should uh anyways and it's not just because there's gay people in it it's not it's just written really well okay it's just like the cherry on top that there's gay people in it so yeah it's always nice to be represented and it's always nice to to read love stories in the midst of galactic chaos I just love it that's what Star Wars is is literally just a bunch of little love stories amongst death and destruction you're so right though like that what is Star Wars if not romance in the middle of wars and destruction and death and everything um yeah the way that we got this whole like passionate love story with Cantum Sai and these flashbacks and then you get back to the present and it's like the Nihil are like destroying the galaxy but I'm like okay but Cantum Sai was in love so that's Mm -hmm. what I care about (laughs) 
but they joined the circus for a boy like it's <laughs> like it's fine <laughs> it's like sabata literally blows up an entire building and then you're like okay but 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 Canton Sty is in love so it's okay <laughs> so I'm fine mentally <laughs> I have had the worst bell wreath brain rot it's so bad to the point where I've actually like oh my god they're literally dating like they've met in canon and they're dating that one like offhand mention of wreath that bell makes in in the fallen start that's like all the canon I need I'm like okay like they, they know of each other's day. existence mm-hmm. they have heard that's each all. other's names before I'm like they I both can't, I'm like starlight. they had to have met right and now they're both going back to course and they're like the same age I do they like the idea of Comac and Indira being friends that's really powerful oh my gosh Comac and Indira who are both gay people are like I know your Padawan's gay and you know my Padawan's gay we should set them up Oh, okay, like, I know my Padawan's gay, but, like, we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. Comac's <laughs> er, like, I still need to explain queer people to read. <laughs> Maybe Reed you can help like, me My type is, like, women with dyed hair. And Comac's like... Comac's <laughs> like, you're just a bisexual. Comac's <laughs> like, you're gay. <laughs> Next question. Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Next week, we will be talking about the Book of Boba Fett following the season finale, so feel free to send us questions related to that as well. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode.